We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm true. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. How are things? I'm good. I tell you a, a little story before our guest comes on. My daughter, she went to a party this weekend. Nice. And like there was drinking, but we knew there was gonna be drinking. And we said, all right, well, you know, be careful, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay. And she comes back. And uh, I pick her up like late at night. And I'm like, how'd you do? She's like, I'm okay. I was like, did you have anything to drink? She's like, yeah, I had, I had a Truly and mm. I had two shots of Tito's. And I was like, that's pretty responsible for a team. Well done. Well done. And she's like, well, my, one of my friends uh, got sick. And I was like, why is that? And she's like, well, because she had, <laughs> she had sangria with, that she mixed with Truly. Mm. And I was like, that is a whole new frontier in ratchet teen drinking. I always knew teens were into the hard seltzer, but mixing it into sangria, no less, that's that's fantastic. This is something that, if I may take the listeners inside the game for a moment, Drew and I talked about this before we started recording. I am so upset by the phrase sangria with truly. Like, just seeing (laughs) it in the little text box on Slack where Drew put it made me not, not even mad. Like, just... I don't know. Like, I was feeling a lot of feelings that I didn't want to feel, and I'm glad that we can talk about it here. There's no way that that phrase can be interpreted such that it is a good idea. But there's a couple of different ways that it could be put together as a variously different bad idea, all of which are, like, just some of the most perfect manifestations of teen brain that I can imagine. I'm, I'm yeah. in awe of it, honestly. It's it's impressive, the new innovations. Because, like, you know, when I was a teen, I was, like, mixing together, like, gin and Tropicana, like a right. fucking loser. Yeah. This is, like, this is, like, a full-on turbo boost to get you right to the toilet. And I'm yep. really... And soon, we'll get an official truly sangria flavor that has, like, a flamenco dancer on it and shit. Like, yeah. that'll be really, really And cool. then you can, you can say that you're going... Like, if you want to have a more sophisticated experience, you can cut up a weird pear and just pu- put it in there. <laughs> yeah, and, and then let eat the it. Fruit, let the fruit chunks float around in it. Fuck it. Like, like cut a hole in a watermelon and get a, get a pint bottle of Truly and just stick it in there. Mm-hmm. So that Just it like they do in it in, in, Bar- in Barcelona. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. it is. It's very authentic. Now, Roth, I want you to look at the calendar. Yes. And I want you to tell me, what month is this, Roth? Oh, no. What month oh, is it? I was wondering uh-huh. why people kept saying this to me in the street, stopping me on the bus, on the train, saying Answer this is me. March. This is March, and to celebrate, we have brought on the one and only Ken Pomeroy of the legendary Ken Palm rankings. Ken's going to help us break down the 2023 NCAA men's basketball tournament. Hi, Ken. What's up, gentlemen? How are you? Uh, Thanks I'm for coming great. back. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been almost exactly one year. It which, has been uh, almost exactly one year. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I mean, I don't. You could. You'd be welcome to come on in the summer if you want. It's just sort of naturally when the calendar turns to this time of year, one thinks of Ken Palm. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to like preview like the Emmys with us one time this fall, we could we could do that. We could look into your Emmy rankings and see where The Last of Us you know compares <laughs> against some of the other shows that are there. right right yeah unfortunately i do not have any rankings so um you guys you guys got the thing going here uh in the correct way just uh once a year is good all right good how are you feeling this is i imagine a very in-demand time of year for you are you like just about ready to um unplug for the next few months once this shit gets rolling exactly i am um yeah my my brain is is barely firing at this point. I have a lot of a lot of facts and a lot of information to share. I don't know if it's all entirely accessible right now. It's it is in my brain. I can assure you that. So if I struggle to put actual words together um, in a correct grammatical way, um, 
you, hopefully you understand why. That is a hallmark of this podcast. You have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I might, I might, might sound like a Shams tweet here every now and then, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> a lot of passive constructions. Ken, you are an extremely valuable guest to have on this week because I have not watched a single goddamn minute of college basketball this season, and Roth has only watched Ruckus, who was the most unfairly left out bubble team, perhaps in college basketball history this season. So this is not a hater's guide to the field of 64 or 68. This is instead an idiot's guide. <laughs> so please, Sounds Ken, great. please treat us like the clueless fuckheads who know nothing about the sport that we are, because that's what we are. Your overall team, your number one overall team, Ken, in the field is the Houston Cougars. Now, the selection committee, they disagreed with you, and they picked Alabama as their number one overall seed. Do you find a stark difference between those two teams uh, right now before the tourney begins? Well, uh, no, there's not a huge difference. Uh, those are definitely your, I think, your two favorites to win it all. Um, you know, Houston, as usual, the, you know, the selection committee is just not going to treat them with the uh, respect maybe they deserve in terms of their ability. They play in the American Athletic Conference. Their strength of schedule was not um, was not terribly difficult. But, uh, you know, when you look at, at their scoring margin relative to who they played, um, you know, they're clearly, I think, the best team in the country. But Alabama is a close second. And these two teams, certainly Houston's been the, the betting favorite, I think, just about all year long, maybe from the second or third week of the season on. Um, but Alabama's been right there at number two. And, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of brackets that have Houston and Alabama in the finals and, and one of those teams winning. So, uh, you know, those are those are the two, two teams the public loves and obviously two teams the committee loved as well. Ah, but Alabama is not your number two team in your rankings. It's UCLA. Can you tell us about that? I can tell you about that. Yeah, UCLA is a team that headed into the tournament. I would have thought I would have picked to possibly go all the way as well. I mean, uh, Mick Cronin's an outstanding coach. UCLA's had an outstanding season. They unfortunately were hit with a uh, significant injury uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of their starters, Jalen Clark, who's one of the best uh, defensive players in the country, um, hurt his, had it suffered the you know, quote unquote lower leg injury. Um, uh, not many more details are, are given out, but it certainly sounds like Jalen Clark is not going to be available for the NCAA tournament. And that, that weakens UCLA considerably. I mean, there's still a team that, that is a threat and can go to the final four and could win it all. But if you're just looking at their, their raw rating where I have them ranked second, um, they're probably more like, you know, seventh or eighth without Jalen Clark. This is a weird tournament for that in general, too, because Houston also has an incredibly significant injury right now that like, and again, in the same way that you were saying, like this super vague, like Belichickian formulation on the injury where they're like, he's out with a body, like a we'll figure it out as, as time goes by. Like this Marcus Sasser, something to do with his groin, but nobody knows exactly what it is, which means Houston's best scorer isn't uh, available. Correct. Yeah. A lot, a lot of coaches are are diving into um, you know, calling out HIPAA for, uh, for not yes, revealing uh, injuries, which I'm not sure that applies, but, but you're right about Marcus Sasser. We know what his injury is. It is a pulled groin. If you saw the the play where it happened uh, in the AAC tournament, he definitely pulled his groin. He, he, just, he was dribbling and he tried to, to cut back the other way and his foot gave out, slipped on a wet spot and he kind of you know involuntarily did the splits um, and not the splits in the normal way you do them, but kind of uh the way you do them involuntarily. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 90 degrees from the normal direction you do splits. And uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what his status is either. You hear, you know, college basketball insiders talk about how he's on the, you know, he could come back this week. You know, they said he could play even in the AAC championship game against Memphis. He did not. Um, I really don't think he'll even play in the first week of the NCAA tournament, even though there's some scuttlebutt that he'll come back. Um, I, I did some internet sleuthing on, uh, on WebMD. So this is my source. But, <laughs> oh, uh, wow. You're like my dad. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, Ken. Wow. A real Co- doctor. <laughs> coming back. Coming back from a pulled groin is is not easy, and it's not something you do in, in a few days, even for a highly trained athlete. There's just such a risk of aggravating it, and I think so. I, I would guess they would hold him out this first week because I think they can they can win their first two games without him. But um, you know, again, in order to win a title, they'll they'll probably need him for that second week as the competition ramps up. See, now that strikes me as a really good omen for Alabama because that team has no outside distractions <laughs> that could possibly hamper them on their way to the title. Would you agree with that, Ken? <laughs> I might, I might slightly disagree with you there. Um, very yeah, polite. Yeah. <laughs> their star, their star player, Brandon Miller. I mean, the best freshman in the country, maybe the best player in the country, this side of Zach Eady, uh, was involved in a little bit of a, a legal dust up earlier this year where, uh, he did, um, facilitate a murder. Yeah, you, the best way to you phrased it. it just as well as Greg Gumbel did in the telecast. Really, yeah. really well done. So for right. background, people need to know a woman named Jamea Harris was shot and killed at a party by a man named Michael Davis, who got his gun from former Alabama forward Darius Miles, who's no longer with the team. And Miles allegedly got the gun out of Brandon Miller's car. Um, and then Alabama coach Nate Oates was like, well, wrong place, wrong time. Boys will be boys. Fart noise, like like it's so it's uh it is one of the more uncomfortable situations I have seen going into the NCAA tournament. And I've seen a lot of them, Ken. Do you have any metric to account for uh the number one team in the tournament having their star player potentially involved as a tertiary uh a better in a grizzly murder? I do not have anything to to really account for that. I will say wow. as an aside, when I heard uh, Darius Miles was involved, I, you know, you always have these moments where you're like, wow, I'm getting old. And I thought that, oh, same d- d- dude, noteworthy so- Darius Miles had a son that was already playing college basketball. And I was like, a thousand Whoa. percent. I thought yeah. of the guy immediately. Yeah, so, I was. Yeah. It, I think that the the presence of a Kenyon Martin Jr. in the basketball world sort of eased me into this because he was way early. But I was watching a random game. Uh, I I happened upon Jamal Mashburn Jr. playing for, I think, the University of New Mexico. And Mashburn's been out of the NBA for, you know, 20 years, and I still didn't fucking care for that. Like, I'm not, (laughs) like, it's just, it's a bit much for me to have to get my head around it. Different Darius Miles, though. Different dad. Yeah, the the original, the famous Darius Miles, um, not yet having offspring that are playing in college, just so everybody understands. But, um, but yeah, this this is an issue for Alabama. However, it's been an issue for, for months now. I mean, this has been ongoing and um, Nate Oates has, I think finally figured out how to talk about it without uh, completely offending people. But um, you know, they're obviously going to get questions about it in just about every press conference and every game they play. However, uh, you know, Brandon Miller, it's pretty clear is not going anywhere. Uh, He will be playing in every game. He will not be suspended. And uh, I'm not sure it's really going to have much of an impact on Alabama. How awkward would it be if Alabama actually won this goddamn tournament? It would be awkward. It would be awkward. It's it's awkward right now, actually. I mean, it is, you know, every time uh, Alabama's brought up, uh, obviously the story comes up. And uh, as the more casual fans get involved in this, they'll become more aware of it. And 
Um, it, it, yeah, I don't think it's a scene. Uh, I, I would say the NCAA uh, power brokers probably would like um, somebody besides Alabama to uh, to win this tournament. I can give you an idiot's perspective on this uh, from someone who watched Alabama mostly in the SEC tournament, but then also a little bit earlier this year. They look incredibly good. Like it's a Miller is amazing. They're a very good and very well coached team. And they definitely like when I did a bracket just like on vibes the first time I haven't really yet uh, gone through it and started second guessing myself in a productive way. Like I had them winning it. I think they're extremely good, Um, which is tough. I I think that of the teams that are super good this year, and this is like something that I know, Ken, you do not account for in the rankings. Uh, all the other stuff aside, Alabama is is decently fun to watch. Of the teams that you uh, would recommend, like I like UCLA, I think they're very good. I don't find them especially fun to watch. What are the teams that you would recommend to uh, people that want to enjoy watching a college basketball game? Right, yeah, I think our tastes um, are probably pretty similar uh, in terms of you know Alabama is a fast paced team. They shoot a lot of threes. Um, they don't have much of a conscience when it comes to launching shots, and they don't need one. I mean, they have a lot of good shooters and. Um, and so, you know, that's usually how they have success. You know, Houston's another team I, I like watching. Um, they're just uh, everybody on the, you know, Kelvin Sampson for the most part, doesn't have a bunch of like NBA players. He does have Jairus Walker. He's going to be highly drafted, but the other guys are just, you know, guys who have kind of built themselves into good players and they play, you know, they play good team basketball and they play with, uh, you know, a hundred percent energy all the time and they get loose balls and they're really tough. And, uh, and I enjoy that style. Um, Purdue is another one seed who's fun to watch simply because they have Zach Eady, who is a, a behemoth and kind of, um, you know, playing, uh, you know, the, the team centered around obviously a different style of basketball where there's a, you know, a seven foot four guy who uh, you know, they just throw the ball into and he holds the ball over his head and all the all the small guys can't come up and steal it. And uh, yeah. you know, hey, that's me playing basketball with my children. It's I great. Say, it does so have a fun. real like dominating your nephew's energy to it. <laughs> you're watching, which is trying to get the ball, that, trying to get the ball. Oh, tough shit, bitch. Can't get yeah. it. <laughs> the thing that's funny about Edie is that so Purdue has always had like a seven foot, two inch and up guy for like a decade now. Edie, despite being a guy with like Garfield eyes and a mustache, is the first one of those that is like actually very likable. I think that like he's somehow broken the like the Matt Harms curse. Like this was the Purdue's big man was always like the chalk pick for the least liked guy, non Duke division in college basketball. But Edie's kind of fun. Yeah, he's fun. He's a pretty unassuming guy. And, uh, you know, obviously outside of basketball, probably lives a pretty awkward existence uh, being that tall. But he is, uh, He's found basketball and uh, you never thought you'd enjoy watching a guy, you know, just he doesn't really even dunk that much. You know, it's not like he's he's crushing the rim or anything, but he's just he just he's kind of almost gentle in a way, but uh, has really nice touch from like uh, three to five feet. That's his range. And uh, and he knows especially and you really cannot stop him. Yeah, he really does play like an uncle playing against seven year olds. Like it is like right down to the point where like as that uncle, as someone who's been that guy, I can't dunk either. But I have a real nice uh, ED style repertoire of very easy bank shots while much smaller people bat at my shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't talked about the other one season. We've talked about Houston, uh, Alabama and Purdue. Uh, We haven't talked about the defending champion, uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. They're also a one seed. But uh, Ken, they're your lowest ranked one seed. So 
are they the biggest frauds among the one seeds in this field? Are they the one I should X out the quickest among the one seeds? I, I do believe so. Fraud is, is kind of a strong word. I mean, actually, Kansas is coming me, into not. this. <laughs> Kansas is, is coming into this tournament very similarly positioned to where they were last year. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're, they're good, but not necessarily great. Um, but last year, they played they played better in the tournament than they did in the regular season. The bracket really opened up for them. They ended up with a, you know, a, a very easy path to the, to the title. Uh, as, as much as a path can be easy, they obviously had to, to beat some good teams. But, um, but those two, two factors really allowed them to, to win the title. And so, you know, I would have said don't rule them out. But they are in the, what is easily the toughest region. Uh, it's like the, the NCAA just decided to, uh, you know, penalize Bill Self for some reason. Poor guy just was in the hospital with right. some sort of heart ailment. Gonna say. Yeah, and then his, his gift for getting out of the hospital is, you know, you have to play in a region with, uh, you know, UCLA and St. Mary's is, is, you know, easily the toughest five seed and a Gonzaga team that's a three seed that's, you know, really getting hot at the right time. And UConn, who's a four seed, who's rated higher than, um, you know, a lot of two and three seeds. So uh, that's really the issue to me with Kansas. It's not that they're, bad in any way or necessarily a, a complete fraud um they've had a really solid year and a very difficult conference but the the road to get to the final four is uh, very very difficult for them okay so for the record you're saying that they're going to lose to howard in the first round that they suck <laughs> and that they deserve to lose their, as they're their frauds okay good i'm glad we got that now ken at the bottom of your top 20 there are four teams your own person your own rankings there are four teams west virginia memphis utah state and arkansas that all got an eight seed by the tourney uh, selection committee or worse. Is that disparity a good indicator of their Cinderella potential? Or does the one and done format sort of cancel that potential out? Good question, Drew. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously the single elimination format, uh, you know, in some ways it helps Cinderella's in some ways it hurts them. I, you know, a team like West Virginia is, um, is pretty interesting because they were, you know, ultimately seven and 11 in their conference, but their conference was the big 12, which basically is, uh, you know, the equivalent of the G league almost, uh, in college basketball this year in terms of strength. Um, so seven and 11 was, was pretty respectable. Um, they would, if they can get by Maryland in the first round would have to play Alabama in the second round. And, um, that could be an interesting matchup. West Virginia does force a fair amount of turnovers. Alabama does have a little weakness in terms of turnovers when they've lost games. It's usually because they commit a lot of turnovers. So, I'd say there's there's definitely mild upset potential there. Um, as far as the other teams you mentioned, Utah State, they opened with Missouri. Um, Utah State, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Missouri is uh, a team that allows a lot of three-pointers. So <laughs> That State, doesn't sound good. Now, is that bad? Some, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's not bad if you're playing a team that can't shoot. But if you're playing a team that can shoot, and, uh, and Utah State makes about 40% of their threes, um, that, could be, that could be an issue. And, uh, you know, likewise, Memphis is a pretty popular pick. They play Florida Atlantic early on. Uh, I actually kind of like Florida Atlantic in that game, mostly because everybody I know is picking Memphis. And that game is actually kind of a toss up. And if it's a toss up and everybody's picking one team, I, I my spidey sense starts to tingle. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little contrarian and, and go Florida Atlantic. Well, actually, that that begs a good question, because Memphis beat Houston in the AAC, AAC championship game. And also um, Kansas lost their conference title game to texas they got rinsed by texas if i recall how much do you believe that winning your conference title which neither houston nor kansas did uh affects your tournament prospects does it matter at all or is it recency bias when people pick pick 
teams that do win their conference titles. I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in winning your conference title. You know, the main thing is that you just don't suck in your conference tournament. Um, if you get knocked out in the quarterfinals or earlier, uh, the success of those teams in the tournament is is not good. But, you know, if you make the semis, if you make the final, you know, it's not too much to get worried about. You know, Kansas knew they were getting a one seed, uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of incentive to, you know, go hard in the in the championship game. You know, same thing with Houston. They knew they were getting a one seed, so they didn't have to go crazy in the championship game. There was a lot more on the line there for certainly for Memphis to try to, uh, you know, make a splash and improve their seed. So, um, yeah, don't don't get too caught up in uh, in recency bias or teams that are playing well over the last you know week or two. It's uh, you definitely want to take kind of a longer view of who these teams are. Can I just throw a quick counterpoint out to that? Uh, I always do the thing that you just said not to do, and <laughs> I won a bracket five years ago. Oh, so, yeah. oh, he so showed that's you, Ken. Good, right? Yeah. So like, Damn. I'm just calling scoreboard on you here. Uh, no, I he got the receipts. This is the problem with how I generally watch college basketball, which is, I mean, there's a lot of problems. We've already led with the fact that I watched a lot of Rutgers basketball this year. Many Rutgers. would say that's bad. Uh, I would more or less agree with them. I would. The other thing, though, is watching all the conference tournaments and stuff. It's you develop these weird, fervid beliefs in a team based on the fact that you saw them play one good half against another team that you've never seen. For me, that was like watching Gonzaga blow out St. Mary's and that. And that, those teams played each other great all through the year. But like it was what it was, I think that was the uh, West Coast Conference final. And it yep. was like, Gonzaga looked a lot better, so I decided that Gonzaga was a lot better. And I don't even think that that's true. It's just one of those, whatever, this is the thing with, like, everybody trying to be an expert on something that it's impossible to actually know much about. Like, with, all, I mean, like, your rankings help, but you can't watch enough to develop an actual opinion. Uh, he might disagree with you on that, Rob. <laughs> no, that's very humble with you, and I think there's a, a very humble of you, and I think there's a, that's a lot of, there's a lot of truth in that. Um no question. If you're just, you know, catching a team on a good night, uh, you can be highly misled. And in fact, the night before the WCC final, Gonzaga played San Francisco, who uh, finished uh, exactly 100th in my rankings and uh, really struggled to put them away. Probably, you know, it was a close game for 35 minutes or so. Um, that said, um, I do think Gonzaga is a really good team and I think they're a bit underrated. You know, people, um, probably just did what you did saw them play uh, the last game of the year saw them play a few games early in the season where they maybe didn't look as good um but in between they really turned it around and we should point out they also had a pretty uh easy win over alabama in non-conference play you know the team that we're talking about is one of the favorites so um gonzaga's got a chance here and i, I kind of like the fact that they kind of sneak in here is not you know the number one overall seed or being a team that's been ranked number one in the ap poll all year there's it's not a lot of pressure on them this year. Kind of a free roll for them. Drew Timmy can just, you know, be his wacky self and uh, do whatever he does offensively and, and not play much defense. And, um, you know, they're going to have some fun with it. But like I said, they are in that West bracket, which is, you know, the bracket of death. And uh, that doesn't bode well for them. But um, but I do think they are uh, generally underappreciated this season by the public. Damn. Timmy's a great example of this time of year and what it does to people. Because like, I did watch enough, but I had friends that are like kind of trying to ramp up to get ready for the bracket. And they're like, the fucking mustache guy is still at Gonzaga. Did you know that? And I'm like, yeah, I, I did not. <laughs> but it's like, it is kind of wild that the mustache guy is still at Gonzaga. He could actually come back for another year, too. He has another year of eligibility, but he is... Uh, yeah, man. Go, get your master's, homie. Like, <laughs> go get it. With you. But he has unfortunately uh, alerted the public that he is not coming back. So uh, 
appreciate uh, Drew Timmy while you can here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's take a break and come back and talk more tournament with uh, Ken Pomeroy of the Ken Palm Rankings. Before we go to break, though, I just want to note that this episode is sponsored by Silicon Valley Puppy Bank. Now, during the pandemic, <laughs> Silicon Valley Puppy Bank took in nearly 20 billion unwanted puppies from some of the brightest minds in tech's dumbest wives. And guess what? We can't keep them all. We're a bank. To stay solvent, we got to loan these little fuckers out to you at a 5% interest rate, or else we're going to have to kill them using lethal amounts of pepper spray that we got on subsidy from the U.S. government. So go on a run of your own. Come to Silicon Valley Puppy Bank and adopt your new best friend today, or else he gets the spice. Extremely dark. We'll be right back with Ken Pomeroy. Hey, this is Drew here to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Home Field Apparel, who welcomes you to March because Home Field Apparel is your destination for premium, officially licensed college apparel all month long. Head to homefieldapparel.com or download the Home Field Apparel app and you can purchase your super soft, unbelievably comfy apparel tailor-made to celebrate your school's most beloved traditions, mascots, and major tournament moments. This March, Home Field Apparel has new t-shirts, ringers, crewnecks, hoodies, joggers, and much more. And you can get 15% off your entire order by using the code March Tricky at checkout. So hurry, because these items are available for a limited time only, and they will sell out. That's 15% off your entire order by using the code March at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. And we're back with Ken Pomeroy breaking down uh, the NCAA tournament. Uh, before we get back into the field, I do want to ask you a more general question, uh, Ken, which is that with Coach uh, K dead, RIP, uh, <laughs> North Carolina not making the tournament at all, and Jim Beheim finally out at Syracuse, oh, thank God, do you see any sea change in the establishment powers of this sport? You know, because like these these top, these one seeds, really Kansas is only... I would say Kansas is the only really sort of traditional power among them. I mean, Purdue, maybe you count, but Purdue, like, I don't know. They're traditionally so, Purdue. So we don't, you know, we don't count Purdue. So yeah. should we, should I view this as a sea change in the establishment of uh, college basketball? And then the other side of that is what should I expect of a team like Duke that's a five seed instead of the usual one seed and doesn't have that hobgoblin roaming around the sidelines? Right. So I think from the sea change perspective, uh, you're definitely onto something. I was uh, kind of looking back over past tournaments uh, you know, from the 2000s, 1990s, and it was just kind of striking how often the one seeds were like Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, you know, right. Kansas, yep. UCLA, Kentucky, you know, same teams over and over again, the classic blue bloods. And uh, there's definitely more uh First of all, there's more parity. I hate when people bring that up, but there's certainly more parity this year. The top of college basketball is about as weak as it's ever been, according to my ratings. Um, but in addition, you know, there's new teams here. Like, obviously, we had Carolina was was number one preseason, didn't make the tournament. Kentucky was number four preseason, um, is in the tournament, but struggled all year. Uh, you mentioned Duke. They were number seven preseason, struggled early in the season. Now starting to turn it around, actually. And uh, I thought we could... I thought we could kick Duke to the curb late in the season, but they uh... <laughs> they got a tough 12 seed too, but it's like a 12 seed that like, again, in my idiot's brain, I was able to identify that Oral Roberts can score a lot of points, but they got stuck with Duke and Duke is playing really well. 
Well, also Oral Roberts' recency bias because they had that run. They did. What, like a year ago, two years ago? It was two not years that ago, long. yeah. They got to the Sweet 16. And uh, this is actually a better team than that team. And uh, they are... When we talk about teams that are fun to watch, Oral Roberts is fun to watch. They will uh, they have a tremendous offense. They'll score a lot of points. They might give up a lot of points. They have a 7-5 um, guy. They have a 7-5 guy that mainly mainly likes to shoot three-pointers. Uh, Terrific. And Kano ran over, yeah. And then they have uh, Max Acemus, who you may remember from two years ago, who's a uh, diminutive guard who will you know fire up a couple shots from the logo. Uh, it's a fun team. And uh, I would like to talk about them more because I don't want to talk about Duke, but uh, if we must, must you know, do our due diligence here. Duke got placed in really the easiest region um, to get out of. Uh, you know, they're the five seed in that region. They match up against four seed Tennessee in the second round, who is uh, missing their point guard. Another team that's suffering, a, you know, a pretty serious injury. Oh snap! Um, yeah, so you know, uh, they're still Tennessee's still good. They're also coached by Rick Barnes, by the way, who is uh, perhaps. Oh, the- Rick Barnes, patron state of choking. I love. Rick <laughs> yeah, Barnes. you got it. You got it, Drew. He's he's really notorious for basically his teams just every single year. Um, at the very least, like not su- not surpassing expectations. Usually, they don't meet expectations. Sometimes they might, you know, do okay, but th- they're never like overachieving. Um, so that's an issue. And then I'm going to throw this little nugget out at you here too. The the one and the two seed here are Purdue and Marquette. And in the '64 team era, since 1985, there have been 36 teams that have been one or two seeds in the tournament that were not ranked in the preseason. And that is uh, the state of Purdue and Marquette right now. And None of those 36 teams have made the final four. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's, that seems I'm like trying my hardest to not interpret that correctly, but it's really difficult to misinterpret that. I, can I go back, Ken? Because you said that um, the top of the sport is as weak as it's ever been in your rankings. Can I ask you why? Do you know why? I don't know why, but we know things that have, uh, have changed here in the last uh, two to four years. And one of those things is that uh, transfers players are able to really freely move between teams. Now in the old days, if you wanted to transfer, you had to sit out a year right. and that discouraged people from transferring. But now that rule uh, no longer exists. You can um, transfer multiple times in your, in your career and, and, and not have to sit out a year. And so um, mm, I, I think player, like you know, the, the distribution of player talent is um, uh, teams just aren't able to like, maintain depth like they used to be you know if you're a sixth or seventh man on a good team you're probably transferring to another team to be a star and and so that evens the playing field a little bit and then uh, nil is the other thing you know players are are um able to get uh paid in some way uh over the table for um their work and i don't think that affects the blue bloods because i think a lot of those players were you know getting money in some other ways before but certainly the lower level teams who maybe didn't have the uh you know legal staff to fight the ncaa if they uh you know, there's some shenanigans involving players getting money. Um, those teams now can, you know, get some money to some of their star players. And so I think that makes those destinations a little bit more tra- uh, attractive. And and that might also be a factor as well. It is kind of also just from a guy remembering perspective, the transfer portal, and especially that like the senior super senior, you know, thing that you were talking about has added a lot of value to me for this, just because there's guys that you sort of faintly remember as rotation guys on previous tournament teams who are now suddenly like the second option someplace. Vanover was not a guy I remember, but the 7-5 guy from Oral Roberts has been at two different schools. And like ordinarily, that's the sort of thing, or at least the way it used to be when players had to sit out, he would be like 26 years old. (laughs) He's not. He's just like a guy that found a system he can play in. Honorary BYU player. Yeah, it's... uh... 
<laughs> that's another thing, by the way, that, that this tournament features is that experience is uh, has been more important than usual this year. Like 16 of the top 30 teams in, in experience are in the tournament and like one of the bottom 40 uh, made the tournament. So, you know, Duke and Alabama are are inexperienced teams that have had success, but most of these other teams are teams that, you know, if they do have freshmen that are playing key roles, those are balanced by, you know, multiple like 50 year seniors that are 23, 24 years old and yeah. are, uh, you know, almost grown men at this point. Let's, uh, before we get to the, our picks, because we are going to make a pick. I got, uh, one more set of questions for you, uh, Ken, which seemingly dull major conference team will piss me off by going on a run I suspect it's Auburn. And which dipshit Cinderella school will I foolishly put down as a first round exit? Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, if I could right. take, if I could take uh, any conference as, uh, or any team as a, uh, a team going deep from a power conference, I would actually just, I'd like to take an entire conference and, uh, and that would be the big East. Um, I, I know I just mentioned Marquette and, and, and maybe they're not the best example of this, but um but certainly uh, a team like UConn as a four seed um, again, all year long, you know, their, their scoring margin numbers have suggested they're much better than that. And when they've lost, it's generally been close. And when they've won, it's generally been pretty big. And so um, I could see UConn going on a nice little run here. Um, certainly I throw Xavier in there as well as a three seed. Um, they're a lot of fun. Uh, I mentioned Marquette, you know, they're uh, a two seed that has one of the best offenses in the country. Um, and the uh, other team there is Creighton, who's a six seed um, in the South, which is another region that is not terribly strong. It's Alabama's region, but the other teams I, I'm not too excited about. And I could see Creighton even going on a run as a six seed. So um, I don't know of any bracket contests that allow you to just take a conference, but um, <laughs> I would like to I would like to enter one that does exist and uh, and go with the Big East because I think one of those teams will at least surprise and, and make a deep run. What about um, from the mid majors then? The mid majors, if we're talking about. Um, uh, a mid-major potentially making a run. Um, certainly, the depends how you feel about San Diego State, but um, as a mid-major, uh, I think their fans might be slightly insulted if I call them a mid-major, but they're not a power conference team. They open with Charleston, and that is going to be a fantastic game. Both those teams um, are you know, underappreciated teams, don't really have stars, um, but both teams won a lot of games. But um, if San Diego State can get by Charleston, they'd pay that Virginia in the second round, a pretty weak Virginia team. I think they could win that game. And then that's in the South region. So they'd play Alabama conceivably in the Sweet 16, which I think would be a, a very good game. I mean, I don't know if you can sense a theme here, but I'm trying to drum up some support here for Alabama getting upset at some point in the region. And uh, whether that it's West Virginia intriguing. or San Diego State. Yeah, I would I would I would I would like to see that happen. I mean, yeah, it is coming back to Alabama a lot. And hey, shout out to Nate Oates, because without Coach K and without Jim Beheim, I needed a new heel coach. And someone like Nate Oates, who has such a ludicrous name, is just a perfect, perfect. There's not even an E in it. Like when you see, sometimes you see Oates as a last name, Johnny Oates, the former Orioles manager. This is just Nate Oates, like for a horse. Like it is the plural of the word oat. Quaker Oats is great. (laughs) I love it. It's fantastic. All right, let's do it. Ken Pomeroy, who's your final four and who's your champion? Do it. Uh, Tell us. Well, I'm, I'm looking at my bracket right now and I, I wrote these down in pencil and like such faint pencil that I can even barely read it. But um, that gives you the, uh, you know, kind of level of confidence Sense that of I have in these. Commitment but, that we're uh, dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, 
we're going to go forward. I think, as you remember from last year, I like to make picks that kind of align with my rooting interests, uh, you know, within a reasonable amount. I'm not going to pick like Southeast Missouri State or anything like that. But, right, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But um, I do like, I will go with Houston out of the Midwest. Um, I will go with Gonzaga out of the West. I'd love to see those two teams meet up and just uh, destroy the narrative that you can't have success out of weak conferences. I think both those teams are capable of, of doing it. I will go with Purdue out of the East only because I can't bring myself, obviously, to pick Duke to get there. And uh, and even though the, the complete lack of success of teams that are unranked in the preseason uh, haunts me, um, I think it's time for that streak to end, and I will go with Purdue. And in the South, I will go with the two-seed Arizona to uh, to be the team that finally knocks out Alabama and uh and makes it to the final four so I that's another one where I can say my my good friend Jay is a big Arizona fan I've watched a lot of Arizona basketball not just because it's nice to have something to text your friend about but like that doesn't hurt and I think they're super fun when they're right uh and that's another team that doesn't have any like real obvious NBA guys to me um they have a crazy Finnish guy who's their point guard and if he's good they're really good and if he's uh, weird they're terrible that is a team i would love to see beating alabama i've had that back and forth so in my bracket i right now do uh have alabama beating them but that was the one that i agonized about the most and it's again it's all recency bias plus not wanting to jinx anything plus a bunch of other uh, sort of stupid things what's weird is i'm still working off the vibes bracket and it's a super boring final four for me it's just like ones and two seeds um which well, who is uh it bama um UCLA, Houston, and I'm going in a crazy order, and Marquette. And that is 100% based on uh, me having watched Marquette like last weekend. I don't know uh, that they're that good. I want to, you know, I have friends that care about Marquette. I want to make them happy. But like, again, you know, you see, I, I did think, you know, I watched a decent amount of, of the Big East this year. Like Marquette is a, a lot better. Like it's like kind of the major conference shock a smart experience that was promised. I mean, it didn't really work out at Texas, but they, they're great. They play like the VCU teams did like it's really good defense. And there's a lot of like good other things happening around the margins. I just don't know that they have, well, this is, this goes back to Ken's point about parody. I look at them and I don't necessarily see that type of talent that I associate with final four teams, but that might be true of every team, you know, that is in that mix. Yeah. I mean, yeah. both of you know enough to know that, your picks will be unreliable. Oh yeah, I'm I'm 100 ready to be wrong. Like that is that is an annual tradition. I'm not that far off from you, Rolf. I have Baylor, Marquette, Xavier, and UCLA. Although now that we've spoken to Ken, I'm going to completely destroy this bracket and fill out a different one. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier's tough, man. They're they're pretty good. I have UCLA as my champion. Roth and Ken, who do you guys have as your champion? I'm uh, I'm going with the extremely boring and popular pick of Houston. Nice. Okay. Roth. Right now I have Bama um, and I have Bama and UCLA in the final. Um, I think UCLA is awfully good. Uh, the like injury situation is not what you want. And I, yeah, I didn't also, know about that part. That's a, that's a deal breaker for me. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would love to not pick Bama. I think like, as I go over this, like I'll probably leave one like vibey bracket in one little pool, but like, I am going to try to pick one of them intelligently. And I think that's probably going to be the funnier of the two. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, look, it's time for our guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of yours, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. In honor of you, Ken Pomeroy, 
We're going to do a little bit of a sneaky one. It's a current NFL player, but a former college basketball guy, Mo Alley Cox. You remember that guy, Ken? Mo Alley Cox, VCU legend, um, appeared in in many NCAA tournaments. Um, yeah, certainly one of a, a long list of college basketball players who have made the uh, the crossover to the NFL, and they all seem to become tight ends. I don't know why that is, but uh, a fine tradition of college basketball players who are not NBA level players somehow turning their talents into fortunes in the NFL, uh, catching passes. What was fun about Mo Alley Cox was that. Even when he was a productive college basketball player, like I remember watching VCU games in the tournament where they were like, he's going to be a very good NFL tight end. Like he was basically getting discussed as a football prospect while he was still playing basketball because he I think he'd been pretty open about it. But it was like he couldn't really do a lot of the shooting type stuff that you want a basketball player to do. But he was very athletic and he liked to push people around and he had very long arms and like it's 100 percent worked out for him. Like he figured this out. Yeah, the uh the, the profile of being like a, a 6'7, uh 250 guy in uh in the NBA is not good. It's great in college basketball, it's not good in the NBA, and it's amazing as an NFL tight end. So it's uh maybe that's how the, the path works here for all these guys yeah. that end up becoming tight ends. He's a good NFL tight end too. Like yeah. he's not Antonio Gates, but he's a good NFL tight end. I kind of hope that Kylo Quinn becomes an H back for the Giants next year. I think that would be a fun, <laughs> fun little twist for him. But we uh just to take you guys inside the game, as Roth says, um, we had to redo this segment because my guy of the week was Jai Lewis, the old George Mason power forward. But neither Roth nor Ken Pomeroy <laughs> yes. had remembered him. But he was also a guy who I think got talked up as an NFL tight end after George Mason's uh, Final Four run. And that, of course, didn't happen. But I, I did like remembering Jai Lewis just for my own. It's time to open up the fun bag. I remember from that team was Eric Maynard, who did not play in the NFL. Because he's exactly uh. the same size as me. <laughs> These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. We only have time for one, and this is from John Ken Pomeroy. John writes in, I noticed that Defector's Dan McQuaid refers to his cat, Detective John Munch, as just Detective. My cat is named Bill Haverchuk, but we've just called him Haverchuk for most of the 11 years we've had him. And the vet doesn't even know he has a first name. How often do you think people who give their pets full names or long names use the entire name and are the people who say their full elaborate pet names being obnoxious ken pomeroy uh i don't know about obnoxious i think there's uh you know a certain amount of respect required when referring to your pet especially in mixed company and uh referring to them uh with their full name is is sometimes appropriate um it kind of reminds me i don't know why this came to my mind but um you know how Dion sanders you know his nickname is prime time and he he just refers to himself as prime and uh <laughs> right yeah. that's coach yeah. prime yeah so uh, you know i think in general you know you're gonna go with that level of informality but every once in a while you got to go with prime time and you gotta you gotta call your pet by uh its full name i would the, the one bit that i can share in this i've not had furry pets because i got enough allergies and it's kind of you know a little bit of a, a pain in the ass to have a furry pet sometimes i have had turtles for a really long time and when i've had to take them to the veterinary hospital which i've done twice uh for variously gross reasons they call out because you know veterinary hospital mostly services uh pets with fur and instead of calling the person they call the pet so that when they're ready to see you they'll come out and and be like detective and then the person that owns detective has to pick detective up and carry them into the examination room which is weird for me with a, a turtle a turtle named george just like someone in scrubs coming out and saying george 
like the turtle doesn't know who I am. It definitely does not know who it is, and it does not answer to any kind of name. And so then I have to bring it back there. Do they do they append your last name onto the pet? Because I've had that happen with the vet. Will they be like Carter McGarry? Like they'll do that. That would be fantastic. Like it'll have it on the fucking wristband, like around his paw and shit like that. I mean, I guess it's good to identify them. Carter McGarry would be like the most annoying guy in Duke's second unit. I just want to say that I think it's I think it's fine if you call your pet by their full name. I but I do find it funny with dog shows. If I watch a dog show where like they'll all have like completely elaborate like like five name names because yeah. it's like because it's like you know it's like horse breeding where it's like you yeah know, it's lineal yeah it's all lineal but and then it, it'll say like in like in quotes like Bob like afterward yeah. or something <laughs> well, that's like yeah that is uh it's. In general, like the way that dogs are named in dog shows reminds you how perverse the dog show is. Like, I just want to like, do not tell me the thing where this got a bunch of apostrophe S's in it. Like, just I want to know that the dog's name is like Flounce. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to hear. Speaking of which, we got Flounce out of here. Ken Pomeroy, you were so so nice to come on Thanks and take always. us through the tournament. I, I've learned so much, and I'm I'm so genuinely glad we had this conversation. Uh, where can people find you apart from KenPom.com? Or is that the main place they should bang it for your hot data takes? That's, yeah, that's the that's the main place to get the data. I wouldn't say it like that, but. <laughs> My other hot hot data takes are on uh, on Twitter.com at uh, Ken Pomeroy. So check me out there. And you can read Ken at Defector.com sometimes. You can't, you know what? You absolutely can. He wrote for us this season and I, it was about uh, flopping and it was Great. I loved yeah. the flopping post. That was terrific. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor. And our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector.com and hit that subscribe button, baby. And you can also email us at distraction at Defector.com right now or even call us at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909 909- Panera Zero. Right. We'll see you guys next week and have a great tournament. Thank you, Roth, and thank you, Ken. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.